Good morning, friends. Today we're going to take a look at uh, Luke chapter 4, the first 13 verses. It's the temptation of Jesus. And I'm going to title this, You're Not the Boss of Me. That's a very interesting story. Uh, We know that immediately after Jesus was baptized, Luke said that he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, we're going to take a look at how Jesus faced this time of temptation and see how he had the power over temptation. And by his example, uh, hopefully find some ways to show us how to have power over temptation in our own lives. One of the amazing things about this story is that it's one of very few that's told about an event of Jesus in which there are no eyewitnesses. Now, you probably wonder, well, then how did the disciples know about the temptations he faced in the desert? Well, there's probably only one way they could have known. He told them about it. At some point during his time of ministry on the earth, he told them about the time he spent in the desert battling temptation in a showdown with the devil. There's another interesting point in that this story reminds us that Jesus was truly human. Luke 2 says, uh, he, er, Luke 3, 2 says he, er, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 4 verse 2 says, He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Luke's word gives evidence that this story was not just a legend created by the early church because it emphasizes the humanity of Jesus. Now, there's always been a tendency among some followers of Jesus to strip away his humanity and make him completely unreal. I mean, songs that are written, for example, the great Christian, the Christmas song, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Well, that's kind of the image some people have of him, that he was so divine that he never cried as a baby, that he never skinned his knee when he worked as a carpenter. He never drove a crooked nail because he was divine. He just kind of went through life floating around on a little cloud a few feet above the ground. But friends, this was not Jesus. He became one of us, fully human. Now, not long ago, I watched part of a movie on the life of Jesus, and I had to laugh out loud at one part. It was just particularly crazy. After being in the desert 40 days and 40 nights without food and water, his hair wasn't even messed up. And as he faced temptation, he never showed any sign of struggle. In fact, he showed no emotion, and he spoke in a voice that I can only describe as, well, something out of Shakespeare. I mean, there was nothing believable. I mean, the director entirely missed the point that this story makes. I mean, the story tells us that Jesus was human. He was tempted, He had power, but he had power over that temptation. And that gives us hope because we are human, we are tempted, and we can have power over temptation just as he had. Now, that's exactly what the writer of the book of Hebrews was telling us when he said in chapter 4, verse 15, <clears throat> We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. See, Jesus overcame temptation so that you can. I mean, today we're going to look at how to do that. And in dealing with temptation, this story, I think, shows us that there are at least three things you need to do. Now, first of all, expect it. I mean, temptation is inevitable. I mean, even good people are tempted. Even people who walk in the Spirit are tempted. Luke says in verses 1 and 2, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, I hope you got that. He was led by the Spirit. He was doing exactly what God wanted him to do, and still he faced temptation. 
Now, we tend to think when we face temptation that God must have abandoned us, that there must be something wrong with us, or else we wouldn't be experiencing temptation in our lives. But that's not true. Even good people experience temptation. Even people whose lives are led by the Spirit experience it. See, there's an important distinction I want to make here. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, but it was not God who tempted Jesus. God doesn't tempt you to sin. He does not try to trick you with evil opportunities. Now, in our judicial system, there are laws against what we call entrapment. I mean, for example, an undercover policeman is not allowed to approach a law-abiding citizen and say, hey, you want to buy some drugs, you want to rob a bank, you want to go break some laws. I mean, an undercover officer cannot do that because it would be considered entrapment. I mean, some people think this is how God tempts us with sin, that he puts a cookie on the table and says, come on, I dare you to eat it. But God doesn't do that. I mean, temptation is inevitable, but it doesn't come from God. The Bible says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Here's James 1.13. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God's purpose is not to tempt us, but to give us power over temptation. Now, another thing I want you to realize is that temptation often follows a peak experience in our lives. Right before Jesus went into the desert, he was baptized by John the Baptist. Now, this is a pretty moving scene. Uh, John declares Jesus to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin in the world. And after he was baptized, the Spirit came down in the form of a dove, and the voice of God spoke from heaven and said, This is my Son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. I mean, this was the inauguration of Jesus' ministry. And it was an exciting time in his life. He was about to begin the work God had called him to do. And God even spoke from the heavens to endorse his son. And immediately after this, Jesus went one-on-one with the devil. Now, in the Old Testament, there's also a story about the prophet Elijah, who single-handedly faced and defeated 450 prophets of Baal during a time of extended drought. He challenged them to call upon their gods to bring fire down on the altar. They prayed and prayed, but nothing happened. Then Elijah built an altar to the living God. He called boldly on God to consume the altar. And the fire of the Lord came, burned the whole thing up, and everyone knew that Elijah's God was the Lord. And then Elijah prayed for the rains to come, and God answered his prayer, and it rained. It was a high point in Elijah's life. But I hope you read the rest of the story. Because immediately afterwards, Elijah heard that Jezebel was angry and wanted to kill him. And so Elijah panicked and he ran for his life. He hid out in the desert. He even told God in 1 Kings 18, I can't take this anymore. Please kill me. Now, Elijah was courageous when he faced 450 prophets of Baal. But he ran in fear when he heard about the threats from Queen Jezebel. You know, that doesn't make sense, does it? But that's what often happens in our lives after a real... You know, mountaintop experience, we often found our, find ourselves alone in the desert. That's why Benjamin Franklin once said, success has ruined many a man and woman and child. It's significant to note that after Jesus was declared by John the Baptist to be the Messiah, the very next event was a time of temptation in the desert. I mean, the next event in his life was not the triumphant entry into Jerusalem where thousands of people shouted Hosanna. It wasn't the feeding of the 5,000 or even raising Lazarus from the dead. It was 40 lonely days and nights in the desert without food and water. So after being crowned king, Jesus faces the time of temptation. And that's why I'm saying a peak experience in life is often followed by a time of temptation or a time of struggle. When things are going good, we tend to think, well, I got it now. I'm on top from now on. 
But friends, it doesn't work that way in anybody's life. When you succeed in a big way, you can expect a time of testing to follow. Now, another thing I want you to realize about temptation is that it often attacks you where you are most vulnerable. See, after Jesus had been alone for 40 days and nights without food and water, the tempter came and said in verse 3, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, why did he say this? Well, because he knew Jesus was hungry. He knew the idea of eating food was the most tempting thought he could put in Jesus' mind. He wanted Jesus to abuse his power for his own needs, and so he attacked him where he was at that moment most vulnerable to try to get him to eat. So here's a fact of life. Temptation doesn't hit you where you're strong. It hits you where you're weak. I mean, if your business is thriving but your marriage is on the rocks, guess where the tempter will attack? If you've got a strong family life but you're struggling at work, guess where he's going to come? He's going to find out where you're vulnerable. He'll go after it. Now, in football, when a key defensive player gets injured and is replaced by an inexperienced rookie, what does the other team do? Well, they start running plays in that guy's direction because they know that he's he's not as strong as the guy that was there before. See, that's exactly how temptation presents itself in our lives. It hits us where we're weak. It hits us where we're vulnerable. Now, does that mean we have to give up and give in to temptation? Well, absolutely not. It just means we need to suck it up and rise to the occasion and face temptation in God's strength. To experience power over temptation, the first thing you need to do is learn to expect it. It happens to everybody, even good people. And it frequently comes after a major victory in life, and it often hits us where we are weakest, so expect it. Now, here's the second big thing I want you to know. Understand it. Now, many times we lose the battle against temptation because we don't understand how temptation works in our lives. Now, temptation is, by its very nature, deceptive. It often presents itself to us in kind of a twisted logic. I mean, Luke tells us that the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And then in verse 9, he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And then notice what Satan did next. He quoted scripture of Jesus. He says in verse 10, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now, I hope you see and understand what Satan's doing here. He's quoting scripture, knowing that Jesus knew it was absolutely true. But he was trying to get Jesus to apply it in a twisted, self-serving way. He was saying, come on, Jesus, God will take care of you. Go ahead and jump. And there was this unspoken implication. Or do you really believe God will take care of you? I mean, maybe he won't. I mean, maybe you're not the real Messiah. See, Satan knows which buttons to push, and he'll use whatever twisted logic he can. He says things like, you know that God wants you to be happy, right? And you know that you will never be happy as long as you're married to that person. So God must want you to get a divorce unless, of course, you believe that God just wants you to be miserable for the rest of your life. Or you'll say, well, God doesn't want your family to do without the necessities of life. And you need your money much more than the government needs it. So you cut some corners on your taxes. I mean, spend that money on your kids unless, of course, you think God doesn't want you to have enough to live on. Now, very few people can be tempted with the idea of doing something really bad for the sake of doing something Uh, the idea of doing something bad just for the sake of doing something bad. But we can all be tempted with the idea of doing something bad in order to get something good. I mean, Satan tempted Jesus to jump from the temple in order to prove to the world that he was God's anointed Messiah. He tried to get him to do something wrong in order to accomplish something good. But Jesus understood that temptation enough to see through that twisted logic. 
Now, I also want you to notice something else about temptation. It often promises what God's already provided. Luke tells us that Satan took Jesus to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kings of the world. And then he said in verse 7, if you worship me, it will all be yours. You know, there's something really ridiculous about Satan's words here because he was offering to give Jesus that which God had already given him. God had already declared Jesus to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He had declared that all of creation would worship him, every knee would bow, and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's God's promise to Jesus from the beginning. This is his world. In fact, the book of Colossians says that it was Jesus who created the world. It's his world, and yet Satan offered it to him. You see, that's the sneaky way temptation works. It often offers something that it cannot really give. Something only God can give. I mean, temptation can say, do this and you'll be happy. Do this and you'll have peace of mind. Do this and you'll feel good about yourself. But the devil can't give you happiness because true happiness isn't the devil's to give. He can promise you the world, but he can't give you the world because it's not his. Only God can give you happiness. Only God can give you peace of mind. Only God can give you a sense of well-being. So understand this about temptation. It promises more than it can deliver. And another thing I want you to understand about it is that it doesn't last forever. When Jesus resisted the tempter, the tempter went away. I mean, too often we give in to the temptation because we think, I can't fight this. But you do not have to. Temptation does not last forever. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And resisting does not make you weaker, it makes you stronger. Also, I want you to understand that temptation does not leave forever either. Notice Luke says in verse 12, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. See, when Jesus overcame temptation, it didn't mean he was through with temptation for the rest of his life. He had to deal with it again and again. hope you remember the words of Hebrews. He was tempted as we are. Most notably in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was tempted not to go through with his sacrificial death. I mean, temptation doesn't last forever, but it doesn't leave forever. You will never get to a point where you no longer have to deal with temptation. In dealing with temptation, we need to expect it. We need to understand it. And third, we need to attack it. So how did Jesus respond? He responded with the word of God. Every time the devil tempted him, he responded by saying, It is written. You know, there's something about the words of Scripture that give us strength in overcoming temptation. David understood this principle. He said in the Psalms, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, friends, when it comes to attacking temptation, the word of God is your first line of defense. The more you know Scripture and use it, the more power you will experience over temptation. And when you're facing temptation, remind yourself that if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. When you're tempted to lie, remind yourself that accurate weights delight the Lord. When you're tempted to take a verbal shot at one of your kids, remind yourself that Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children. The words of Scripture uh, give us strength in the face of temptation. Therefore, we, we need to try to know the Word. Now, you can't memorize the whole Bible, and you don't really have to. But what I've learned is that when I read the Bible on a daily basis, God speaks to me about what I'm going through at that time in my life. But I can't even begin to tell you the number of times I've faced something during the day that is related to what I had read earlier that morning. You attack temptation by speaking the word of God. That is why Jesus responded to each of Satan's temptations with, it is written. And also remember, you attack temptation by confronting temptation. 
Matthew's account of the story tells us that when Satan tempted Jesus to bow down and worship him, Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. I mean, Jesus didn't run from the tempter. He confronted him and told him, basically, get lost. Hit the road, Jack. I mean, let me ask you a question. How do you speak to the tempter? How do you speak to your temptation? Do you hear yourself whining? Oh, no, temptation is so strong and I'm so weak. I'll never win this battle. Or do you stand strong and bold and say, get lost. There's no way I'm going to commit that sin today. This is how we need to deal with temptation in our life. When it makes its appeal, we need to cut it off mid-sentence, so to speak, and say, I won't even discuss it. Get away from me. Friends, you do not have to cower in the face of temptation. You can confront it boldly because you're not confronting it in your own strength, but in God's strength. And another way to attack temptation is to reaffirm your commitment to God. Jesus said in verse 8, it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now he was saying, leave me alone because I belong to God. I don't belong to you. I worship him. I don't worship you. In other words, you're not the boss of me. And that's how you need to respond to temptation. We need to say, you're not my boss. Jesus is my boss. I don't serve you. I serve him. When you face temptation, reaffirm your commitment to God. Remind yourself that you belong to him, that he is your Lord. Now, temptation is a fact of life, friends. You need to expect it. I mean, temptation is it's downright insidious, so make sure you understand it. But most of all, remember that temptation is not all-powerful, so attack it. Not in your own strength, but in God's strength. You attack temptation with the Word of God. You attack it by confronting it and telling Him to get lost. You attack it by reaffirming your commitment to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus experienced power over temptation. And you, too, can do so. Just follow his example. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. God bless.